to see you all. And um, yeah, I just think it's for me. It's it's always great to be facing Uri and Steve. Less less so Steve than Uri. Um, <laughs> Stevie boy, are you my bro? Okay, so here we go. So let's give a bit of a, a brief a brief summary as to what is the, what are, what are we talking about? Why are we talking about it? And yesterday there was this incredible shift that the the work that we're studying, which is from Rav Desla, it's called Mechta Melio. He starts off with a presentation of a common claim against religion as a whole. And he does an incredible job of switching it. He doesn't quote him explicitly, but it's well known that Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Meaning religion is a thing people have made up over the course of time to make them feel, make themselves feel better about the trials and tribulations of the way the world works. And as, as a result, people delude themselves with fantastic notions about the existence of spiritual beings in order that they should be able to explain away the difficulties and suffering that they have in life. And really it's just pure and total denial of reality. Rav starts to question, well, what is reality? And who makes it up? And the obvious answer to that is, reality is very dubious and we are the, one that make, we are the ones that make it up. Because in any given moment, for example, this moment right now, we are all experiencing something which is completely different to the other. In terms of the temperature of the room, we all know it's a given temperature, but cold or hot, what is the reality for me of this room? It's always for me. Is this experience valuable? Is it anxiety-provoking? Is it enormously exhilarating? Is it um, rich and full, or is it empty and devoid? Well, it's everyone's up to what their belief system in this moment is. Your belief system will dictate the reality that you experience. And based on your value of whether this is an important place to be, will determine your attitude and relationship to it. There are people who are facing me directly opposite, who are bored out of their minds right now. They feel that we've belabored this topic, and they refuse to move from their chair, and the only reason they come back every day is because they came back the day before. That kind of rigidity is great. And if the ultimate principle of why you're in the chair is because this is where you were yesterday and you want to keep your seat warm, well, that's what it is. There are other people in the chair who have a completely different attitude. So, based on what your belief system is, essentially will define the nature of how you interpret the environment. And it's always interpretation. And the interpretation is a function of who we are as people, our past, our cognitive abilities, and ultimately even our sensory perception. Because we experience the um, interaction between the external world and our senses very differently. Our senses aren't totally aligned. Even our perception of something as basic as color differs from person to person. An experiment that was once done in art class that I, when I was in art school, back in the day, in art school, when I thought my future would be living on Corsica, painting gigantic canvases while frolicking on the hills in the interim. So we did this exercise. And the exercise was to the lecturer presented on this gigantic screen an American flag in complementary color. So instead of red, white, and blue, it was green, black, and orange. 
Those are the complementary colors. And we stared at this green, black, and orange flag for a couple of minutes. And then he removed the image, and all we could see was a white screen. And I saw, as many other students did, an American red, white, and blue flag. Because your eye, your optical illusion is it carries the after image of the complementary color, which means the opposite color. Try it, it's cool. But some people didn't do that. Some people saw a completely different after image. So even something as basic as sight, certainly in terms of your, the acuity of your vision, and whether you're short-sighted or long-sighted or um, 2020 vision. So our sensory perception of the world differs from person to person. Our emotional perception differs from person to personality. And our cognitive capacity to process the environment is a function of how well developed our brain is. What do we notice? What we don't notice? In fact, something as basic as being mindful in the moment will be a crucial predictor of the depth to which I can experience the reality. So, for example, in this moment, if I'm completely distracted, and I know who he is right now, if I'm completely, hello, if I'm completely distracted, come back to me, if I'm completely distracted in this moment, my level of experience will be filtered through enormous amounts of static and reduced in terms of every level of what it is. And when you actually have the capacity to become mindful and grounded in the moment, it's almost as if a filtration screen has been removed and you can experience the moment for its entire dimensions. And that's life-changing. So therefore, the nature of reality inherently is subjective to the person experiencing it. And therefore, when you point out that a religious system of processing, interpreting reality is an opiate. Perhaps we could say the opposite. That a materialistic perception is asking yourself to interpret the universe with random. Randomness will predict a life of difficulty, anxiety, suffering, and pain. Because nothing happens as a coherent part of a bigger whole. It just happens because it happens. And anything could happen. And there's something extremely anxiety-provoking when you recognize that anything could happen at any moment. And you become gripped by fear, simply just leave the door. Whereas a world, when you perceive that there's an orchestration to the creation of the world, and that there's something higher guiding that has love and care for you, and then nothing happens as a coincidence and every single event regardless how pleasurable or painful is perfectly designed to give you the ultimate what you need out of your life to reward you, to move you forward to allow you to succeed to the nth degree when you process reality that way ultimately that's the world you'll live in so you can choose to live into what you call a real world, which is just the same as the unreal world, because it's all a fiction of your imagination. But you're going to have a miserable life. Or you can choose to live in a world of pure bliss, 24-7. And it takes work. Now who's to say which is more real than the other? Ultimately, they're all just a product of how we interpret and process we could argue through historical facts and probabilities that one has more veracity than the other. But ultimately, on an experiential level, I don't know how many people care. Essentially, we can choose between living a life of misery and anxiety or one of joy and happiness. So you can say it's delusional, but it's no less or more delusional than the other way, and it's certainly more satisfying. So that's Rav Dessler's 
twist of, yes, let's say religion is open to the masses. Come over here, buddy, and have a drag. Jesse. Um, yeah, but if you're just living a life where there's nothing but joy, happiness, and bliss, then can you really appreciate the... Great point. In other words, joy, happiness, and bliss was perhaps an oversimplification of, yes, there will be pain and there will be striving, but the pain and the striving won't be an aberration to the theme of my life as an exciting place. It will be a complement to it. So in every success, and there's always failure. In every achievement, there's always pain. But it becomes part of the totality of the symphonic experience of life where all the parts are interlinked and intertwined to create a literal orchestra which is cooperating to produce the sounds which will tintillate my very self. Could you give an example of what you meant with like the, about the pain? So an example of the pain is, perhaps we've, we've said before, that if you take, and I think one of the easiest analogies is you going to the world of sport. In the world of sport, any great athlete who's tasted the sweet taste of success has also tasted the bitter pain of training. And even in the race itself, many, many an athlete will feel that they have very little to give and their lungs are aching from the pressure and their muscles are extremely painful. But as they cross the finishing line, that pain turns to bliss. One could argue, without the extremity of the pain, the bliss would be somewhat subdued. And therefore, pain is not a in opposition to pleasure, but in cooperation with it. And I think that's a powerful idea that allows us to be liberated, to embrace the pain, and to be able to accept that the nature of existence is to fail in order to succeed, to experience deprivation in order to liberate, and to be able to suffer pain in order to experience pleasure. Karl Marx said that religion is opioid. Is like a negative? Opiate, opiate. He meant it as a critique. He meant, he meant religious people are delusional. They kid themselves into imagining a fantasy world to make themselves feel better. Really, it's not true. It's all made up to make people feel better. I've got the true way forward. It's the proletariat needs to have the power. And he gave the power to the proletariat. And then the dictators subtly wrenched it from his arms in the ultimate abuse of power and the anticipated country that would bring equality and justice to all became one of the most perverse and destructive dictatorships under the hands of the evil Stalin where millions upon millions upon millions of people were brutally killed in cold blood and that was the joy of the communist dream Whereas this little resilient tribe that began 3,000 years ago has never stopped rejoicing, has never stopped experiencing the unbridled pleasure of life, described in the liturgy as Am Medushne Oineg, a nation saturated with pleasure. And when when I wake up in the morning, I wake up with joy and gratitude and excitement and vitality. Yes! Another day! <laughs> Different from the communist masses who have the entitlement of free distribution of wealth. Give me another loaf of bread, otherwise I kill you. So Rabbi Dasar is saying, what, why not? Just, Sorry? So Rabbi Dasar is saying, just use religion as that? And it happens to be true. 
In other words, it happens to be the truest reflection of reality, but you don't have to subscribe to that. It's just it's a better option. If you're not, if you if you don't know which one is better, well, which one is experientially better? <laughs> Imagine if you have no belief system, and that your morals are have an expiry date to them, as very much the Western the Western world is now demonstrating that morals are expiring quicker than we can make them. So the prediction of the morals that I hold so dear and I will champion today is that they will be absolutely ridiculed by one generation later. So just like we are going around toppling over our predecessors and destroying their statues and their statutes, with the rate of moral change we can anticipate they'll be doing the same things to us. Which means we'll self-sacrifice for an ideal that our children will vilify us for. So in that climate of moral uncertainty, we lose a sense of groundedness and we become confused. We also lose a certain sense of connection because what came before is rejected. What's coming afterwards will be incoherent. And in the moment, I'm alone and isolated. And alienation is a predecessor of anxiety. Because if I'm alone, there's no one to seek me, to give me a protection. I can't be soothed, because who's there to soothe me? I can't be safe, because there's an uncertainty which is inescapable. And I remain trapped in the miserable predicament of life, an ongoing existential crisis which is unavoidable. Oh, Adam, that sounds like a great place to be. Give me that, mate. Uh, or no. And so what happens? So in order for me to bear the pain of life, I need to anesthetize myself so the pain shouldn't be overwhelming. So I come up with social and societal ways of anesthetics. I can drag myself into oblivion through the literal use of mind-altering, mind-altering substances, from alcohol to shrooms. I can distract myself with movie after movie, series after series. I can indulge in the pleasures of the flesh, which leave me empty and seeking more because I feel that if just one more and I'll finally feel satisfied and I never will. It's like filling an empty hole, which has no bottom to it, a bottomless pit. And therefore the, the trajectory of a a life lived in the materialistic world is pretty grim and you're going to use your resources to pay for the anesthetics which take away the pain if only for a minute if only for a minute if only for a minute Stroll they're going to be enjoying life blissfully, happily. Why do you suppose they have to be I'm enjoying life. Ah, you see me irritable and in a bad mood more often than not. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> you, 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 Strulkos Joffe can be happy. I know it seems hard to believe. Wipe that smile off your face. You can be happy right now, right here. Because you're in a process where, well, you've got an incredible support system around you. But you've got a spiritual support system. Do you have any idea in this moment? Hey, do you have any idea how much Hashem loves you? Just think about the fact that He put you in this chair. What a gift! 
What a gift! You could be somewhere else right now. And here you are, learning the lessons of life. Wisdom that will change you forever. He loves you. He brought you to Jerusalem. He gave you a warm jacket. He gave you an incredible mind. He gave you hair. He took mine away. (laughs) He allowed me the opportunity, which I'm thinking of doing, to offer advertising space. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, any takers? Ah, Ilan. Ilan's got a business. Here we go. Desalination. We could even like make something like we went with like, you know, head. People with good heads desalinate over here. Uh, okay, do it on your TikTok. What I could do is I could insert a small projector in my, projector in my nostril and have it like, so we could have like rot- rotating ads. Mm. Mm, this is starting to seem like a possibility. You with me? Thrill Kush! Uh, sorry, to answer your question. I know I was enjoying myself. A bit. So what's the bit I didn't answer? Oh, golly, golly. I don't see you saying. <laughs> is it not that you have to be fully religious? Like yeah, you have to be fully religious. Sorry, did I mention that? You have to be fully religious. It's going to be no more shook for you, mate. No more shook. Shachis, min chamayiv. It's all over, boy. It's all over. Learning Gemara and Torah. Chash na mikavichatogim. Long tachnun. Except for today. See, it's like the whole thing, the whole thing. How happy, how happy were you in Shachris when I can know? Kaddish after Shmoni yesterday today, no long takhtun, how happy were you? Yeah, admit it. Come on, you can be honest. Okay, you couldn't have that happiness if you weren't from. <laughs> yeah? They never have a day when there's no takhtun. They never have a shnayim nikavich or targum and there's no, very few rashis. That's a kind of joy that's special to Judaism. I'm saying... And you have a day where you, you know, you... Are you getting it? Are you, is it helping you, Srili? I just thought if you don't live by all the principles of your spirituality, then, like, it just wouldn't work for all things. Let's say, like, if someone is rich, someone who wants to it, happens what they have. Yeah. If you consider yourself a tzaddik or whatever, but you don't hold by that principle, then you're not going to be joking out because you're going to be worried about your money. So it's not like, you've got to be following... So the, this is an amazing thing, Srili, from personal experience... You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there because I'm not there. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> you, you don't have to... <laughs> you don't have to be there. You have to be getting there. You're only ever getting there anyway. We're all only ever getting there. But getting there is so gishmak. So gishmak. When you, when, you used to, when you get used to living in the process of moving forward, the process becomes the ultimate source of joy. It really does. You know, I enjoy it. And that's why Gemara is such an incredible training for that. Because it teaches you to love the process. That's called the Havamina. And then there's a Kasha. And then between the Havamina and then the Kasha, where are you? Well, you lost. And how do you feel about that? Excited! Because there's going to be a terrorist. Or there's not. So I'll be excited to one day there may be. Or there won't. Can you do that over but this time? Sure. Like, sure. Hey, what? Like as if living in the moment. Like translating all the words and stuff. Like, I feel like it could be a really good video for people who like are interested in knowing like more about what the Mara is but don't know that much Yeshivish and stuff. Oh. 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 So what happens when you like bring a media manager to share? Literally. <laughs> Tom completely wrecks the dynamic. <laughs> Chirps him when he doesn't need to. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then, you know, and then people accuse me of being insincere. So now, <laughs> well, 
No. No. I have principles. <laughs> okay? You'll get a thousand followers. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. Sorry? How does this answer, you mentioned this already, how does this answer fit in with things that are like clearly suffering for people like, for example, for kids dying in an earthquake, like how does it answer fit that? So there's nothing called clear suffering. It's always going to be open to how a person responds to it. There's no given response to anything. Everyone can respond to anything in, a multiple, in multiple ways. Okay, now, certain things, collectively, there's a, there, there's, um, a ex- collectively there will be a higher rate of people that respond in a certain way. For things like loss and death, collectively people respond with pain, mourning, it's extremely hurtful. It's extremely hurtful. And from that there's a range of different, different levels of adversity. Different levels of adversity. No level of adversity is in- inherently a cause of any given reaction. Meaning, if someone gets hurt, does he have to be sad? No, he could be happy, could be angry, he could be depressed. He could be elated. For example, a person's in a car accident. I'll, I'll give you one of the most profound examples, real life examples that I've heard about was Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeves was the star of the 1980s Superman movie. Properly, he was Superman. Very, very talented actor and super, super ripped. Um, he was a keen equestrian, equestrian. Uh, Steve, that means he rode horses. And he was, <laughs> and he was doing a, he was in an equestrian event and he took a jump and his, um, his horse bucked him and he got caught in the rain and slammed against the side. And he woke up in hospital a couple of days later and he was paralyzed from the neck down. Pretty grim. At first, his response was he didn't want to live. And he told his wife, I don't want to live. And she said, look, Chris, if you don't want to live, that's your choice. But if you decide to fight through this, I'm with you the whole way. And he made the decision to fight it. Maybe he used the God's help and the religion's help in fighting. Uh, I don't know. I'll just tell you what he, he said. He started going through a series of complicated operations because he's spinal cord had become dislocated from his head to try to re-engage the neural pathways and he made himself a guinea pig in the experiment of how neural pathways are made and created and he started a foundation to sponsor spinal injury research and as a direct result of his efforts he literally helped probably by now thousands of people he himself was able to gain movement in his baby finger, which even though it wasn't very helpful, was a breakthrough because it meant that they could actually reinstitute neural pathways which had been completely destroyed. And his life was meaningful and joyful, even though he was paralyzed from the neck down. And he was a man who previously was Superman. So he adjusted. And normally you'd say, well, if that happens to a person, they would like, going to a depression and basically wait until their life had ended. Instead, he entered into what he called, I think, the most productive um, period of his own life. He embraced, he embraced the new experience and he made the best of it.
And so therefore, even such an extreme case of incredible, incredible, unbearable suffering, really, on every level, a person can respond in a different way to the way that would be the norm. It's really that way a lot of times is influenced by, like, okay, like, a lot of people might be religious, like, they might, like, everything's happening for a reason, she has a plan, like, okay. so, like, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So that his whole answer. So it, in that sense, like it would be an opiate of the masses. He's saying it is the opiate of the masses. No, like the Robert, Robert Right. It is the opiate of the masses. It is. And it works. It works. Yes. You missed yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, otherwise we'll cross you off the list. But that's when it happened. It all happened yesterday. Okay. This all happened yesterday. In the text. It happened in the text. Yitzi. Can you please touch on how what you were saying there was really I didn't catch exactly about being a process, not a destination? This whole mindset? Sure. Okay. Sure, sure. How much did you pay? For further question? Do you know what the question was? Did you not get like the 50 shekel entrance fee? Doesn't that cover it? He just said what you said in his own words to get me to re say the whole thing. How much did you slip in? In life, you can be outcome-driven or process-driven. When you're outcome-driven, the process is a necessary obstacle that you have to overcome in order to reach the outcome, which means every step leading up to the final outcome is essentially meaningless. It would be better if you could skip it and simply reach the outcome. When you're process-orientated, the outcome is what you're striving for, but the process is where the value lies. Because the process in its own right is a rich experience of every moment in terms of what it can give me. If it's the movement forward, if it's a new insight, if it's a struggle. And when I become process orientated, my life transforms to being always engaging, dynamic, exciting. Because it's not about reaching some kind of goal and only that will give me the joy that I seek. This is a direct parallel to the study of Talmud. The Talmud is an interesting text. It's arranged in a way which is completely counterintuitive. Instead of providing us with legal conclusions, it describes a process. In sometimes a frustratingly confusing way. Now why would it do that? Because it's a mirror of life. And it's trying to give you the notion and convey to you that the nature of life is process. Because ultimately, in order to succeed, we always need to fail. The Talmud describes this in suggesting an idea, combating it with a counter-argument, which causes us to relinquish the first idea and to adopt a new one. Simultaneously teaching us the process and the art of mental flexibility, not become caught up in entrenched thinking, and have the power and capacity to be paradigm-flexible, always ready to shift to a brand new perspective, and not to get trapped in Western linear-style thinking. One has to become a broad-minded Torah Jew, where many dimensions are taken into consideration simultaneously and not become so narrow, so, so caught up in rigid thinking as so many people are in the world which doesn't challenge the axioms and the premises of how we live. You know that? Okay, 
So I want to thank you all for your attendance today. <laughs> it's obligatory.